Would you recommend joining the infantry? Oh, don't fucking do it. You're gonna die. Would you recommend joining the infantry? I mean, you get paid. You all get paid the same. Depends on your rank. It just depends on your ranks. Would you recommend joining the infantry? No. It's like literally selling your soul to the devil, bro. Literally. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Fuck no. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Fuck no. Fuck no. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Fuck no. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Fuck no! Would you recommend joining the infantry? Would you recommend joining the infantry? No. Would you recommend joining the infantry? No. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Would you recommend joining the infantry? Be a cook instead. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Yes. If you're a male. A straight white male. A straight white male. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Hell yeah. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Fuck yeah. Would you recommend joining the infantry? For sure. Would you recommend joining the infantry? <laughs> Would you recommend joining the infantry? Uh, it, yes, I do recommend it. Fuck no. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Yeah. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Fuck no. Would you recommend joining the infantry? No. Would you recommend joining the infantry? No. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Yeah, if you want to feel miserable 24 fucking 7. Would you recommend joining the infantry? No, there are better jobs. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Hell no. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Yeah. Why? It's fun. Liar. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Fuck no. Fuck no. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Would you recommend joining the infantry? No. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Would you recommend joining the infantry? Sure, if you like shooting guns and sleeping in a hole. Would you recommend joining the infantry? That's a great question. Fuck no. Infantry is bullshit. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Um. Fuck no. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Fuck no. Would you recommend joining the infantry? Yes. <laughs> no. 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 Actually no. not. Would you recommend joining the infantry? No. Would you recommend? Well, there you have it, boys and girls. Today's military. Brought to you by TikTok. You know, <clears throat> there's a lot of things that bother me about the video. Oh, hey, welcome back. Jody's Soul Podcast, episode number 15. Sorry I've been away, but blah, 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 whatever. Excuses are excuses. But coming back to this episode, uh, this is going to be the second part of the, my military experience. And before I get started, let me say one thing. This does not reflect the image of the military as a whole. I'm going to be talking about my experience. You're going to join the military and had a great experience. You're going to... Join the military had a horrible experience and or any anywhere in between. But I'm going to talk about my experience. So whatever I say does not really reflect on what the military is, was, or it's going to be or anything like that. But watching TikTok and watching this video, it really bothers me. Because these young soldiers are right out of AIT and they're already saying, fuck the infantry. First of all, let me say one thing about the infantry. I was in the infantry. I was a medic in the infantry. And yes, it sucked. Not going to lie. It was horrible. Leadership. Uh, I, I can name a hundred things why the infantry sucked. But you know this before you join. You know. You know. 
what the infantry is. It's the backbone of the military, backbone of the army. It's the infantry. And um, it sucks. It really, it really sucks. I'm not going to say it's, it's a fun experience. But you know this shit coming in. You know when you join the military, especially as an infantry, that sucks. Being a cook sucks. Being an infantry sucks. So there you go. I don't feel pity for anything. Any, any of these young people. But another thing, too, that trips me out is the, when the fuck do they let females in the infantry? <laughs> Here I go. Alfonso's a fucking old head. Yeah, call me an old head. I don't give a fuck. But that is wild to me because when I was in, I was in from 89 to 94. And we, we had no females anywhere in combat arms. Combat arms are tankers, artillery, anything that goes pow. You know, so infantry, shit like that. But seeing all these females in the infantry, man, it, it floored me. It, it well, um, let me step back a little bit. I'm not gonna fucking be that drastic. It just made me think, man. Like, wow, actually serving with females in the military, man. Like, in combat arms situations, because I've been to the female, I've been to the field of females, and as like in training or whatever, it, it wasn't fun. I could just imagine being in a foxhole in the infantry unit with one of them. I don't know, man. But like I was talking to my son. My son's a Marine. He was the infantry, old 311. He got out just when they were letting female Marines join the infantry. And as long as they pass the same test that everybody else passed, I guess we're cool, you know. Same weight limit on the rucksacks, same distance on the uh road marches and all that bullshit. So again, this 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 episode is gonna be very militaristic. I might use a lot of jargon from the military. So if you don't want to listen to it, it's cool. Just wait for the next one. I'm not gonna talk about I'm not gonna talk about ass or titties. It can't be ass or titties all the time, guys. This shit gets boring. But um I'm gonna talk about again my experience in the military. This is the second parter. This is me graduating AIT, advanced individual training in San Antonio as a medic. And um becoming a soldier and not really experiencing what I think I was gonna experience. And I don't think anybody does. I don't think anybody that joins the military. Um, goes through what they think they're going to go through. Uh, one thing about recruiters, one thing with my recruiter, he didn't really lie to me. He was pretty straightforward what I was going to do as a medic. He told me that boot camp was going to suck. AIT was going to be pretty hard as far as the training and the schooling. But he didn't really tell me about how my first unit was going to be. And boy, it was definitely an experience. So, from the last episode, I graduated AIT, Fort Sam, Fort Sam, Houston, and San Antonio. San Antonio is a great town, great party town. I left AIT, flew to Richmond, Virginia, because I was stationed in a place called Fort Lee, Fort Lee, Virginia. So, uh, it's kind of, it's uh, maybe about an hour or 45 minutes south of Washington, D.C., so it's in Maybe 30 minutes. I don't know. It's a long time ago since I've been there. Maybe 30 minutes south of Richmond, Virginia. It's in the East Coast, man. And it was definitely an experience being a boy from California, living in California all my life. And moving to Virginia was a, a, a big culture shock, especially in the late 80s. It was definitely the old South. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, a little cold. Um it was definitely the old South back then. Yeah, the way people looked at you, because back in those places, if you weren't white or you weren't black, 
they were they were like, well, what are you? <laughs> and um, I would get this. Well, I never seen a Mexican before, but you're the first Mexican I've ever seen. And that was just amazing to me. Again, coming from California, you know, that shit was amazing. Hearing that kind of language, like you're the first Mexican I've ever seen. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> so Virginia was definitely interesting. I was stationed in a place called the 85th EVAC Hospital. So the word that really um, hits me is hospital. I thought I was going to be stationed at a hospital, which I was, but I failed to realize what an EVAC hospital is. An EVAC hospital in the Army is an evacuation hospital. So it's basically a field hospital. If you're old like me and you used to watch the TV show MASH, uh, they were in a hospital that was in the field. So, but an EVAC hospital is a little bit more advanced because they did surgery there. They did pretty much everything that a hospital does. They had all the equipment, x-ray equipment, ultrasound, uh, pretty much everything. But it was just a big fucking humongous tent. So that's where I was stationed at. But there was no hospital. Like there was no, all, all our hospital was packed up in these, we used to call them millivans, but these are these transportation containers, like the ones you see in the docks and boats and whatever. So all our hospital was in there. It was, it was, it was uh, put away there. And we used to go do inventory, take everything out, clean everything, make sure everything's working fine, inventory, everything. I'm talking about band-aids, gauze, IV needles, IV bags. We used to inventory every fucking thing. So you pull everything out, count everything, replace whatever's expired, put it back in there, do it again next week. I mean, it was just tedious work. Not what I expected. Again, not what I expected in the military. But it was interesting being in Fort Lee because... It, it was, uh, I'm a big history buff, always been a history buff. And, it, and there are so many surrounding areas you could go in, in Virginia, so many battlefields. Actually, Fort Lee is in, in a place called Petersburg, Petersburg, Virginia. Petersburg, Virginia had a big old battle, big old um, Civil War, uh, North and South battle. Um, so to me, that fascinated me, that fascinated me about being stationed there that I got to see all these old battlefields and just walk, you know, walk throughout history and stuff, walk over there and, and, and experience all that shit. So I loved all that part. But what I didn't like about being military is for the first like six months, I didn't really get to do what I thought I was going to do as a medic. I was basically being in the barracks, doing the inventory, fucking around in the barracks, getting drunk, partying, it was just like, Jesus, you know, and my, and my parents are, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, look, man, the military is, 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 I would lie to them. Basically, I think I lied for my parents. I think I lied to them for four years, telling them how the military was, because, you know, I just told them it was great. It was amazing. What are you going to tell your dad? Hey, it sucks. I put barracks, life was crazy. Um, it was just, I never lived with people like that before. And again, back then, it was it was a community bathroom, community shower, community sinks. So it was two to three people to a room. 
And again, we share the showers and the bathrooms and, the, and, and it, you, you see how other people and other cultures live. You definitely get an education on how people live, how disgusting some people could be. Um, sitting on the toilet stall, you look ahead and there's people smearing boogers on the walls. Um, people didn't flush the toilet. It was just horrible. It was, it was horrible. So on the weekends, I would try to get away, get a hotel room and just get the fuck out of there because it's just living there seven days a week was horrible. But one thing about the barracks is sex life. I'll tell you one thing about the military. And again, not everybody's experience is the same. There was a lot of fucking. <laughs> there was a lot of fucking in the military. Um, <laughs> there was this girl, I'm not going to name her, but she was like, we call her the barracks bunny. So let's say she would welcome every new a soldier that got stationed in our unit and that was in the barracks, you know, and, you know, sure enough, she showed up in my room one day where she brought some beer. We're hanging out, talking, and an hour later, I was, you know, I was hitting that. <laughs> and she did that with everybody. She welcomed everybody to the fucking unit. She was our, our own little barracks money. And she didn't care what color, black, white, Mexican. Oh, I was her first Mexican, by the way. She told me that. But it was crazy. Barrick's life was very definitely crazy. And um I I did I did hate it. I did um hate the being stationed in Virginia, other than the whole military stuff. I hated my job. Sometimes we would go around post and we had to go cut grass because they had nothing else for us to do. So, you know, they will take us, pick up a bunch of uh, yard equipment and just drive around around the base and just do do fucking yard work. I'm like, dude, I joined the army for this shit. <clears throat> so I hated it. I hated, <clears throat> I hated all that. I truly, truly hated the, the army for the first. I almost thought about just getting the fuck out. And I talked to a lot of people about getting the army, getting out of the army, and wasting my time. I should, you know, because I'm I'm 18, almost 19. I'm motivated. I'm going. Oh, I'm ready to do shit. You know, I'm ready to fucking do this stuff. So when like an opening for air assault came up, I took it. I went to air assault school. That was pretty cool. Got my little air assault badge or whatnot. Um, but it was just, it was just boring. It was not what I expected. You know, it wasn't what I expected. Uh, as a medic, uh, there's two other jobs you could do. You could work at a hospital. They actually had a real hospital there. And, and then they also had a clinic. And, you know, as a medic or a medical personnel, you could do rotations there. You could work at the hospital or you could work at the clinic. I work at both. I worked in the ER and then I worked in the clinic doing sick hall. One thing about the Army, I don't know if it's the same for other branches, but in the Army, you can't call in sick. If you're sick in the morning, you can't, oh, I'm sick. No, you have to go to sick hall, which is the clinic. And then either they release you back home or. They give you a profile. A profile means you can't do any PT. You can't do any physical activities. You have to wear shoes. You can't wear boots. <clears throat> or you get or you get fucking admitted to the hospital. That's the only way you can get out of work. But you can't call in sick. And one thing I almost forgot about Fort Lee. Fort Lee was a school for 
a lot of people in the military. It was the school for the school for the cooks, the school for water purification, the school for petroleum holders, uh, petroleum handlers, uh, the school for all the clerks. So that was the AIT at Fort Lee. So you had a bunch of kids that got out of boot camp and went went straight to Fort Lee. And cooks, well, you know what cooks, it speaks for themselves. The cooking school is in Fort Lee. Water, pur- water purification, those are people that go out and they clean water. They purif- They provide water, clean water for soldiers and stuff. Or they could be in another country in a war situation. They provide water, clean water. Uh, petroleum handlers, those are people that um, they pretty much, they're gas station attendants. They set up these these big old uh, bladders of, of diesel in the middle of the desert or the jungle, whatever. And if you're a helicopter or a tank or whatever, or a truck that needs gas, then you go to them. They're the petroleum handlers. It was the, then we also got clerks. Well, clerks, again, speaks to themselves. Those are the people in the military who do all the paperwork, clerks. So it was a school. It was a school for, for all those, all those, um, type of jobs in the military. So, you know, working at the clinic was crazy. I think I spoke on this, so I maybe did or I didn't. But I would always hook up with girls <laughs> because they were going to boot camp. They, they just got out of boot camp and they went to school and and they would go get sick and, you know, we would go, you know, all the guys that were stationed there for Lee would, you know, try to hook up. And we, we did. <clears throat> Again, sex, sex, sex. The first six, eight months of the military was just crazy. Everybody hooking up with everybody hooking up with each other. So it's pretty crazy. But it wasn't. It wasn't fun. It just wasn't. I just wanted. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna do my four years. I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm out of here. But one morning, uh, I remember I was getting dressed and I was watching the news. And I saw um, that Iraq invaded Kuwait. And I was like, oh, man, this sucks. I hope it doesn't get any bigger. I hope it's not one of those things that we're going to have to go over there and get involved in war. And uh, to make a really long story short, we did. About three months later, we got the word that we were going to be going to Saudi Arabia and be part of Desert Shield. And I was like, fucking great. Like, part of me was happy because, yes, I actually get to do my job. But then part of me was like, fuck, dude, what are my parents going to think? Because I didn't care about myself. I was mostly worried about my parents. And, again, I lied to them. But I, it's just one of those things that I just didn't want to put my parents through. But then, again, I was excited. I was actually going to go to war or go, go to, uh, you know, actually get to do my job. You know, you sign for the military. That's what the military is, you know? So they gave us about two, three months to get ready. And we were going, we were taking classes. We're learning history of Iraq. They were telling us like, it was going to be like Vietnam. There's going to be thousands of people dying. They're going to gas us. They got the third largest army in the world. So they gave us this whole spiel about how badass the Iraqi army was or whatever. So I was like, oh, fuck that kind of sucks. Uh, and uh, so, you know, we got the work to go. And I remember, I never forget my father. Uh, when they told us that we were going to go, they pretty much shut down the barracks. They closed everything down. 
<clears throat> they um, we couldn't leave we couldn't leave the barracks or whatever. But um, I called my dad. I go, hey man, I'm gonna leave. You know, I'm gonna leave right to there tomorrow. And my dad, being my dad, he's like, hey, look, you don't have to go. I'll go pick you up. And, you know, we could go to Mexico. You know, we got family out there. You know, I don't want you to go. I'm like, come on, man. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a quitter. I'm not going to quit now. So don't, you know, don't, don't, don't try to make me quit, you know. But I know where my father was coming from because I have sons now and I would never want my sons to go through any uh, bullshit either, you know, especially the way they painted it back then. How bad it was, the military was, how bad us going to Iraq was going to be. But we went out there and I told my dad, hey man, I love you and thank you. And I, you know, I'm never going to forget that, you know, how my dad was willing to go from California to Virginia and fucking sneak in and fucking get me out of there. But <laughs> knowing my dad, he would have done it. <clears throat> so we went, you know, we went to Desert Storm, we went to Saudi Arabia, landed in Dahran Air Force Base, and we were there for like a day. And then from then they moved us to this other location. It was, uh, they call it Ted City. So when all the units go in country, they automatically don't send you somewhere. You, you got to be stationed somewhere. So we were there for like two or three weeks. And it was it was a trip meeting people from all over the, all over the country. Um, it was cool meeting soldiers from all over the country. There's people from Colorado, people from Washington, people from you know all the, all the different units all over the country and stuff. And it was interesting talking to them. And I pretty much noticed that everybody hated everybody hated their situation. They all hated the army. <clears throat> so finally, we got our finally we got our our, our location. And we got stationed right there at the fucking Air Force Base, at the Dahran Air Force Base. We were right there by the fucking, we were, we were right there by the runway. So, man, the jets were flying 24-7, like landing, taking off landing. And when the Air Force takes off, especially in a military situation, they go after burner. After burner means they fucking haul ass when they take, they take off. So I'm telling you, that was crazy trying to sleep through that shit, you know, cause it was 24 seven jets were flying in all the time and stuff. So that was, that was, that was, that took a while to get used to, <clears throat> but it was very surreal, man. It was very surreal being out there in the desert and uh, dealing with the heat. And we actually got to uh, work in the hospital. We took the hospital, they, they delivered the, the hospital through a boat, they unloaded it. We took everything out. We actually set it up. It took us like two weeks to set up the whole hospital. And two weeks to set up a working hospital is amazing. That's one thing. One credit I'll give to our, our commanders and our NCOs. And within two weeks, we had a full-blown working hospital in the middle of a fucking desert. You know, off the grid. We had our own generators. We had our own water. We had... They did an amazing, you know, all the other people at church did, they did an amazing job. But within two weeks, we had, we were taking patients in. And unfortunately, a lot of the first patients that we saw were people who were in the military that were, they injured themselves. You got to understand, you got hundreds of thousands of young people with weapons. And uh, we had some suicides. We had people who accidentally accidentally discharged her weapon, fucking playing with a grenade and 
Just a lot of stupid shit like that. <clears throat> but it was, it was, it was, at least I was doing my job. You know, I was, at least I was doing the job that I was, you know, recruited to do working as a medic. I worked in the emergency room. I worked in the clinic. So, you know, doing rotating. And then when you don't work, you had to do soldier stuff. So you had to make sure your tent is clean and we had guard duty. So when you're not working in the hospital, you're doing guard duty and you might have like six to eight hours off, but you're always doing something. We never really had these off at the beginning. Um, I, I, I was stationed, uh, in the front line. And that was a weird story. This is the way it happened. The infantry or combat arms have priority in the military. So if the infantry or tankers need medics, they're going to get their medics because again, they combat arms in the military, especially in the army, they have priority over everything. So before the ground war started, they needed medics. So I remember they called me into battalion and they they say, hey, you have a brother, right? I go, yeah. You're not married, right? No. You don't have any kids, right? And I go, nope. So I was a perfect candidate to go to front lines. And they were trying to send people that were not married or people that had kids or people that were their only child, the only male child in their family. So me, I was fucked because I hit every fucking category. Again, I wasn't married. I was not the only boy in the family and I didn't have any kids. And so they gave me a choice like well, what unit I wanted to go to. So I went to the 101st and I was stationed with the 101st uh, in the infantry battalion. And uh, it sucked. <laughs> it, it really, really, <clears throat> it was pretty horrible experience going to combat and, 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 and just, it was pretty bad. It wasn't fun. Now this is, I'm not going to compare this Storm to Vietnam. I'm not going to compare it to, to even, uh, the last war we had in the early two thousands or people that went to Iraq or Afghanistan. I'm definitely not comparing myself to those young men and women that fought out there. Definitely not because what we did compared to what they did it was nothing, but a bullet is a bullet. A bullet, you know, fired at you is a bullet fired at you. So it's not going to feel uh, good either way. I don't care how long it takes. Even if it takes, you know, five minute firefight. It still sucks. So I hated it. I, I hated being out there. The only thing that kind of kept me um, sane was the guys that I was there with. And my job was basically just to keep them safe. And to give them the confidence to know that if they were to hurt, I was going to be there with them. I was going to save them. And I did some shit out there. I got my little awards or whatever, but I never, I never, I never glorified it. If you meet me now, you would never know I was in the military. And my kids for the longest time, they didn't know I was in the military. I never talked about it. I never glorified it. <clears throat> you never see me walking around with the fucking U.S. Army hat or stickers in my car or like yes, I always I always feel man you know the, the people who are that are the loudest about that are the ones that never 
did anything. You know, you got the guys who, you know, talk all this shit. Oh, I'm a veteran or, you know, this and that. Bro, it don't mean anything, okay? It's a job. You did it. Good job. Thank you. You don't you don't deserve like, oh, you know, accolade for the rest of your life. I personally I don't think so. <coughs> Thank you for your service. Move on. That's it. You know what I mean? So I'm not gonna get into the whole Desert Storm stuff, you know, speed station with the one-on-one. I'm just gonna say it sucked. So after the war was over, after the war was over, they sent me back to my unit. They sent me back to the 85th Evac uh, Hospital. And all the people from the 101st got to go back to the States. And I, my unit was still the desert. So I stayed there. I was, I was, I was there for about 10, 11 months. We were there for a long time. And by that time, all these units were leaving country. A lot of people were going, you know, the war was already over and everybody's going back home and stuff. So they had to have a certain amount of shots to get back to the state. So that's what we were doing. We we're just processing people leaving the states. And it was really boring, man. It was it wasn't it wasn't that fun. Um being out there and there was a lot of fuckery going around. By that I mean everybody was having sex with each other. I mean, we've been out there for like eight, nine months already, and people that were married to people back home. They were hooking up with other people. So they 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 had couples over there, you know, and they were married to other people back in the States, but that's just how it is, you know. You were out there for nine or ten months and it's just one of those things that it they felt they had to do or whatever. I had a little fling out there, but you know, she was a hoe. And look, well, one thing about the girls in the military, and I'm gonna talk about that more in my next uh uh when I talk about Korea. <sighs> I would not date anybody in the military <laughs> just because, oh my God, uh, I'm going to sound horrible. But most of the girls in the military, again, that I experienced with, man, they got ran through. <laughs> you know, so again, I apologize if I offend anybody. I don't want to generalize and say everybody. But most of the girls that I knew in the military, yeah, you know, it was, it was pretty fucking bad. It was pretty bad. And look, I don't blame the girls because when you have 20 or 30 guys per one girl, what are you going to do? So turn it around and say you're one guy and there's 30 girls. They all trying to fuck you. What are you going to do? Come on. You know, so I'm not judging. I'm just saying that's what happened. So after the war was over, we finally came back. We went back to Virginia. And um, I wanted to have a kid. I was scared that I was going to go to war again and, and me not having the kid. So I went to vacation and I went back to San Jose for a month. And then I came back to Virginia and I made a, I made a young lady. And six months married, six months later, we're married. So that's how crazy it was. I was still 20. I wasn't even 21 yet. and. I already had gone to war, been in the army for two years, and I'm fucking married. So typical army bullshit. Uh, so during that time, a few a few months of being back in uh, in Fort Lee, I got my orders to go to Korea, and I was like, "Wow, man, I just got back. 
I only been back in the States for like eight months. And I'm already being sent to fucking Korea. Like, damn it, man. But what happened was a lot of people that were stationed in Korea while we were in Desert Storm, they had to stay in Korea for more. They had to stay in Korea for like two years. So they were having all those guys come back. So we had to rotate to Korea. And I was not mad at the fact that I was going to Korea. I was like, wow, cool. I'm going to Korea. It's crazy. It's going to be fun. I heard a lot of good stories about Korea. And I had orders to go to the hospital. So I was going to be in Seoul at the main, at the main army base. Uh, and, and Seoul. And my order said that. My order said Seoul Hospital. <clears throat> so I, I I I go to Korea. I fly from LA to Korea. It's a long ass flight. And I remember when I got there, they looked at my orders and they looked at my paperwork, and they're like, "Oh, you're with the 101." I go, "Yeah, but I was just attached there. I was that wasn't my unit." Okay, well, Second Infantry Division needs medics. I was like. Fuck. So right then and then, I went from the best duty station I could be stationed in Korea, which is the hospital in Seoul, Korea, to 2nd Infantry Division. And I uh, played in a city called Tonduchon. And I was like, well, you know, they got field hospitals. Maybe I could, get, I could be stationed in a field hospital. So I got to 2nd Infantry Division. And they looked at my orders. They're like, oh, you were with the 101? I go, yeah. Oh. These guys need medics. So they sent me to a straight leg infantry battalion. So I went from the best unit you could go in, in Korea, which is working at the fucking hospital as a medic, to the worst unit you could go to in Korea working as a medic. I went to a place called the 1st first, first 503rd Infantry Battalion. And I was like, fuck, dude, what the, what the fuck? I, it's like, how can I, how can that happen? Like my, my head was spinning, you know, my, my head was literally spinning. Like I am going to go back to the infantry, bro. Like, damn, man. And infantry in Korea ain't no joke. It is no joke. Cause back in those days, we still patrol the DMZ. And patrolling the DMZ is no joke. Uh, so I went from, from again, the hospital, to uh, to the infantry battalion, and when I got there, they sent me to the. I was I was with the uh, medical platoon, so basically our job was to provide medical care for all the line units. So you had Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta infantry companies, and each platoon in each company had a medic. So each company had like four medics who that were assigned to them. I was a corporal back then, so I was a squad leader as a corporal. And um, I remember being out there in Korea and being in the barracks and the amount of alcohol those boys, including myself, drank was insane. And we drank all day, every day when we were out there. The only time we didn't drink was when we were in the field. But as soon as we came back to the field, uh, we were drinking. And I became an alcoholic. It's just like everybody else. Everybody else in the unit was an alcoholic. And the reason why, because there's nothing else to do. We're depressed that we're in Korea. We're depressed that we're an infantry battalion. 
where the press that were in the infantry as the medics. And it was, it was, it was pretty bad, man. And to, to be super honest with you guys, I don't remember a lot that happened in Korea because that's how much of a drunk I was. And I see some pictures that I find once in a while. I'm like, fuck, I don't even remember taking that picture. But Korea was horrible. We used to do we used to do rotations, uh, so we go to the field for like three weeks out of the month, and and then our job was to support the rocks. The rocks are the Republic of Korea soldiers. This is hardcore motherfuckers, man. Korean soldiers are, ain't no joke, man. You you might look at these little K K pop fruits and those little K K pop. Uh, nah, bro. The, the real Korean guys, bro. They're tall. These dudes run like with no shirts in the snow. They're insane, bro. Their 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 training is as Jesus Christ, man. So our job was to support them. So they actually patrolled the DMZ. We were like one kilometer kilometer away from them. So if they were able to get hit by North Koreans. Our job was to support them. So it was pretty gnarly, man. Because like, if you ever patrol the DMZ, you're patrolling where there's like guard post. You can see North Korea on the other side. Um, they're they're blasting uh, North Korea propaganda. There, they're playing opera music. There's big old floodlights and shit on one side, and on the American side, we have the same thing. We have floodlights. We have, and we're playing rock. You know, so it's kind of surreal. You're walking around two or three in the morning. It's like ten degrees out there. It's freezing. You see fucking landmine signs like don't walk over here because there's landmines. You're hearing opera on one side, you're hearing rock on the other side. You're like, what the fuck am I doing here? It was very crazy. It really, it fucked with your head a little bit, you know? It really kind of like you had to be mentally strong to patrol DMZ, you know? And we had live ammo too. <clears throat> and, and it was weird because, like, I was thinking to myself, dude, why we got live ammo for? But if you know history in Korea, we never, we we never, the war with Korea never stopped. We had a ceasefire, but the actual war with Korea never stopped. It never officially stopped. So when we patrol the DMZ, yeah, you get your fucking combat pack. You get your combat uh, loadout. You know, like 200 rounds for my M4. And I had like uh, 70 rounds for my, not my, for my 9mm for my Beretta. And yeah, live rounds, baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, holy shit. I had no idea where <clears throat> we had live rounds. I don't know about now, but back then, we sure the fuck did. But <clears throat> it was, it was, I hated, I hated being there, but I love, I love the guys I was with, the soldiers I was with, man. They're some of the craziest, funny, insane motherfuckers that I've ever, you know, been around. And these are kids that, some of them had money. Some of them had, some of them had, you know, families that came for money. We're like, what, what the fuck are you doing here, bro? <laughs> How are you here? People that were really broke. So there was like everything. You saw everything there in the military, which is there in, in Korea or in the infantry. <clears throat> but when we're, when we're in the field, everything was fun. But when we used to go back home, now, that was even better. It was crazy. Korea, we were we were in a place called TDC. We call it TDC, but it's Tongducheon. Tongducheon is a little city outside of the Fort uh, Second Infantry Division. 
as soon as you walk off the gate, all the bars lined up, bro. You, you're talking about blocks and blocks and blocks of bars. And it was crazy. Uh, they had hookers. Back then, it was like 20 bucks. Now, look. Remember, I was going to say something about females and, and, and the military. Well, let's just say something. In Korea, the hookers are clean because that's their job. Every Tuesday, it the, the city is shut down because Tuesday or Thursday, but I believe it's Tuesday, uh, the doctor goes to all the brothels and they check the girls and they kind of like put a little stamp over their cards. And if, that's, if that stamp's not on there, they can't work because it's a business. The people spreading STDs in the military, because I was a medic and we had to also work on the guys have, you know, if somebody had STD, we had to report it to their commander because what does GI stand for? GI stands for government issue. So whenever you hear the word GI, it, it means government issue. So if a soldier has STD, we had to report it and he had to tell us, okay, who did you have sex with? 10 out of 10. It was a female American soldier that gave him the STD. It was never the Korean, it was never the Korean hookers. Uh, uh, so yeah. Okay, most of the times, or well, all of the times in Korea, the people that affected other soldiers with STD was female soldiers. So we have to report it to her commander and she has to get clear because this is destruction of government property if you're spreading STDs around to a GI, which is a government issue. <coughs> so the craziness in that, it always floored me like, wow, dude, this bitch has an STD and shit like that. She's over here destroying government property with her pussy and shit. So that was the craziness about it, you know. Now, I was a medic and I spoke on this before. I had access to everybody's medical records. So if there's a girl I liked, I would just go get her medical record. <laughs> I would see if she was on birth control. I would see if, you know, she had an STDs or whatever. She had herpes. I'm like, cool, she's clean. <clears throat> and I was not doing anything illegal because I have been, I had a clearance. I had a, I had a security clearance because, you know, as a medic, you handle some of the general's medical records and to handle a general uh, medical records, uh, you had to have clearance. So I wasn't breaking the law, doing anything illegal. So going back to the hookers in Korea, it was 20 bucks, 20 bucks for half hour or till you busted a nut. And these girls were not ugly. They were not ugly. They were not ugly women. They were beautiful girls. I was married at the time and I did not partake. Believe me or not, for a whole year, I didn't. And uh, I was tempted, of course, of a man. But I remember I was at a bar and I was talking to a girl. And she was telling me her story. And she told me basically that her parents sold her to the madam. And that's why she was working as a prostitute. I'm like, here you go, honey. So I just gave her 20 bucks. Like, here you go. <laughs> I got to do it. You know, I just could not. Knowing her story, knowing that she had to go through all that bullshit. 
I like no here 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 you go here's the twenty bucks. So for a whole year I didn't get laid out there. So there you go. I was a good boy. Uh, another thing about ugly. Uh, another thing about girls in the military is like a lot of them they didn't want to come back. the The tour of Korea is usually a year, so you go to Korea for a year, and and you rotate back to the United States. But most girls didn't want to come back. I knew girls that were out there for like two or three years. They didn't want to come back. And the reason why they didn't want to come back because a lot of these girls were not really pretty. Uh, we used to have a saying in the in, uh, second, infantry, second Infantry Division where the men are men or so are the women because some girls were not very cute, but they were treated like they were really cute because some guys just didn't want to fuck around with Korean uh, prostitutes. They, you know, they were not into Asian women, so they would buy a lot of these girls' TVs. They were paying money. And no, there is, oh, again, I'm not going to speak about today or what's going on today. But back then in Korea, there was prostitution. Prostitution between military women was a thing. Uh, uh, it wasn't a thing like it was out there and advertised. But you like, say, for example, you talk to a girl and you're, you know, oh, you're cute or whatever. She was, oh, I think she, she was like, oh, I think you're cute also. And, um... Oh, let's hook up or whatever. She should be like, okay, what's gonna be like two hundred bucks? You're like, huh? What? So yeah, there's 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 there was some of that going on. But yeah, but most of the guys went with the hookers downtown, and again, you go we go party as a group, and uh, we hit the bars. So some of us will just stay uh, drinking while we're keeping we're keeping the eye on the other guys, waiting for them to come back. If they don't come back after like half hour, 40 minutes, we go look for them, looking for them and shit. But it was pretty safe. They had security out there. They had a piece. So it wasn't uh, too much shenanigans going around. <coughs> Excuse me. But one thing about the bars, and again, I don't know if this is happening again or it's not a thing anymore. But Korea and the army was racist. And hold on, before you start thinking, you know, I'm kind of talking out of pocket, I'm not. Each, there was a lot of clubs in Korea. And, oh, excuse me. Oh, tired. There was a lot of clubs in Korea. And, and it was, they had different themes. For example, there's a Puerto Rican club. They play nothing but salsa. Everybody's in there is Puerto Rican or from, or from like Dominican or shit like that. If you were not Puerto Rican or Dominican or, or you know, something like that, you're not welcome in there. We had the country club. Nothing but country music and Western and the cowboys and shit like that. You know, if you weren't a cowboy or white, you were, you were not welcome in there. There was a club called the Black Rose. Well, there you go. If you weren't black, you were not welcomed in there. And I was like, wow. You know, I don't know if it's cool because you got your own, the Mexican too. The Mexicans had their own club. You know, we had our own club. And if you were a Mexican, you were not welcome in there. Now, if I, if I went with my white friend to the country club, it was okay because I'm walking in with him. Or if I went with one of my black friends to the black club, it was okay because I'm walking in with him. 
but I couldn't just walk in on my own. You know, you get you get your ass beat, they'll kick you out of there. And um, that that was the experience. That was crazy. But when we were, when we were out in the field, you know, that shit was out the window. You know, we all loved each other, supported each other. We we all made fun of each other. Blacks talk shit about. You know, whites, whites take shit about Mexicans. It's just about, you know, everybody's talking shit, but, you know, we did it in good fun. Racist jokes in the military are a thing, and it's fun. You know, you hit all the stereotypes. But off post, you know, was a different story. You know, and it was crazy. That, that kind of, like, woke, you know, like made me, uh, made me really uh, look at things in the military. But... Korea was rough, man. It was, a, it, was, it was a rough year. I missed my wife at the time. And uh, that's just the, the field was, was like the, 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 the cold. But Korea was brutal. I got I got like uh, uh, frostbite. I fell in the water. And we couldn't start a fire because we're in the DMZ. So I just had to suck it out and wait and walk out of there. And by the time we walked out of there, I remember my pants were frozen, my my shoes were frozen, and like, yeah. So if I would have waited like another hour, they would have been cutting toes and shit. So to this day, when it's really cold, I got to wear double socks and shit. <coughs> but Korea was really rough. Korea was a rough, rough, rough duty if you were in the infantry. Because you dealt with all the seasons of Korea. You dealt with the fucking heat. You dealt with monsoon season. You dealt with the cold. And it was crazy because if you look at Korea, ain't no, ain't, ain't no straight roads, man. It's hill after hill after hill after hill. And you'd be walking for like six, seven hours and you only done like two or three kilometers because you're going up and down, up and down, up and down, you know. And we were light infantry. So light infantry means, what light infantry means is like you don't have any heavy weapons. But as far as being light, there isn't because I had a big ass fucking rucksack, which is around 60, 70 pounds. And then I had my medical bag. That's another 30 pounds, right? You figure, okay, 100 pounds is not too bad. But when you're humping that bitch in the rain, you add weight. When you're going up and down a hill, you know, it kills your ankles and your back. That's not including the water that I carried. That's not including the ammo that I carried. You know, so. And I was kidding back then. I was probably like 165, 170 back then. So it was it was hard. It was hard. But you know what, man? Being 20, <clears throat> being 21, 22 years old, and you just don't give a fuck. You know, it was crazy old shit. All the body, all the shit I put my body through back then with the alcohol, with the drinking. I remember we would drink when we were back in the barracks. We would drink from Friday night. And we'll take a little break on Friday and Saturday morning. And then around Saturday afternoon, we start again. Drink all night Saturday. And drink Sunday. Take a little break. Around 4 o'clock, we'll start drinking again. And we'll drink from 4 in the afternoon to like 5 in the morning. When it was time to go do PT. You know, physical exercise or whatever. We're infantry, so we did PT every day. I remember throwing up like we're running on formation not just you know pull over to the side and throw up and then catch up <clears throat> I mean that's how crazy we were that's how much of fucking alcoholics we were so if you know me personally now you know I don't drink I drink like maybe 
a beer once every six months or a glass of wine every six months. Uh, so I never really drank after that. I was, I remember I got my orders to come back to the States and I landed in San Francisco. I had a fucking Long Island iced tea and that was the last liquor I had. That was the hard liquor I had. You know, it's, this is back in 93. And uh, I got stationed in, uh, when I came back from Korea, I got stationed in Fort Hood, <clears throat> which is kind of cool because my wife was from San Antonio, so, so she had family there. So I got stationed in Fort Hood and I got stationed in, uh, I worked at the hospital, I worked in the emergency room, which is the greatest duty station I the greatest job I had in the military was working there <clears throat> because I actually did my job working in the emergency room in a fucking level one trauma center was no joke. Um, Fort Hood had the second infantry division. I think we had second or third armored. We had a lot of soldiers in Fort Hood and Fort Hood is a humongous, humongous place. It's, it's, it's next to a town called Killeen, Texas, over there by Temple, Texas. Uh, kind of in between Austin and Dallas. And I loved it. I loved, I loved Texas. I mean, like I said, my first wife was in San Antonio. Uh, I love, I love Texas. I love the food. I love, I love fucking, I just love Texas, man. I love, I love the attitude out there. Like, you know, don't mess with Texas kind of bullshit. And, and I love the whole, like they fucking Texas really love their state, man. That's one thing about Texas. You got to take that away from them. Uh, but yeah, I, I loved, I loved, I loved working in the emergency room. You know, we, we, as a medic in the military, you get to do a lot of things and stuff. You, you, we did suturing, we did, uh, everything except, we did everything except push, uh, drugs through the IV as far as like every other, every other kind of medical care in a, uh, emergency room situation, we got to do everything. So it was great training, great work. And I'm never going to forget this. Um, there was a soldier that came in. Um, he was a special forces guy. And he blew his knee out. He, he's doing a jump and his fucking, his ankle turned to powder, man. He blew his fucking knee out. It was so bad. They almost had, they almost had to amputate his, uh, his ankle, his foot, you know, from the, from the, from the ankle down. Uh, and I remember he was really sad because this guy had been in the army since he was 18 and like, look, he was special forces. He was ranger. He was fucking a sniper. You know, you name it. This guy did it. Bad motherfucker. He's a bad motherfucker. He's a dude like, yeah, he's one of those fucking cats. But he was really depressed because when he blew out his uh, his ankle, the army wanted to kick him out. So uh -uh. In the morning time, he went to San Antonio because he was, he was going to go to a medical board to see if he, if he was, uh, they were going to keep him there. And, uh, a day later, I saw, I saw his name on the board and, you know, and said there like suicide. I'm like, what the fuck? So I went to go talk to him. I go, hey, Sarge, what's going on? So to make a long story short, the army kicked the guy out. They were going to kick him out the army. And, you know, you think about it, the army spent millions of dollars on this guy's training. And this guy said, look, I don't have to go back to my unit, but I could be an instructor. You know, I could be an instructor in a sniper school. I could be, in a, you know, he was able to, he, he was able to do whatever 
He was willing to do whatever the army gave him. But the army's like, nah, we're done with you. Like, like, thank you. And they kicked him out the army, and this guy was trying to kill himself. And I was like, holy shit, man. If they could kick this guy out of the army who's decorated, you know, like I said, you know, special forces, Green Beret kind of cat, what do you think it would happen with a guy like me if I was ever in that same situation? <clears throat> and that really made me rethink my military situation. Like, fuck, should I get out now or should I stay or like... <laughs> And I decided to get out. Like, that was it. That was that one thing that I saw and how they treated this guy. I'm like, nah, man, I can't, I can't stay. I can't, I can't, I can't join the military that's going to do that to somebody that decorated who's a fucking war hero, you know, fucking gung-ho dude, gung-ho dude, you know, very, you know, decorated and very valuable to the military. And they're going to kick him out like nothing, you know? So like, yeah. So that was pretty much the reason I was going to get out. And the other reason was because I was probably going to go, they're going to send me back to Fort Hood. And I'm like, nah, fuck that. I'm not going back to Korea. I'm sorry, they're going to send me back to Korea. I'm like, I'm not going back to Korea. And then my wife was pregnant at the time with my son, my oldest son. And I'm like, nope, I'm not leaving my ex-wife pregnant. I'm not going to have my kid while I'm in Korea. So I got out. I just went, talk to my commander and said, hey, I want out. And they were trying to scare me. They're like, no, you know, you can't get out just like that. Okay, well, I'll just fail, I'll just fail all my PT tests. Oh, well, you won't get an honorable discharge. I'll go out of care, whatever. So after like three months, they, yeah, they let me out. I went to, I went to go talk to JAG, which is like our, our lawyers. And they're like, yeah, no, you're, you're at the army and you have honorable discharge and all this bullshit. So I'm like, all right, cool. Welcome come out. So I got out. I went back home to California and, and you know, that was it. And, and did I regret it? No, I never, I never regretted my decision to get out. It was time and I was done with the military and I left as an E4. I left as a corporal promotable. So I was about to get, and they offered me my stripes. They offered me my, uh, my E5 stripes and I would have made sergeant in uh, four and a half years, but I like, Nope, I'm out. But <clears throat> I got out and watching videos or like TikToks, like the one we just watched at the beginning of the show, just made me realize how much the military has changed. How different it is, how AAT is so different now where they get to have their phones, where they don't get cussed out. I hear drill sergeants say freaking, like who says freaking? You know, uh, they're more sensitive to soldiers. And you know what? Maybe that works. Maybe today's youth is maybe today's youth is softer, you know. But again, I don't want to sound like oh, back in my day. Well, back in my day, we get fucked up at boot camp. You know, I got smacked around, you know, everybody did. It's just like and one thing about my drill sergeant, and I think I talked about it on the last episode, my drill sergeant was a maniac. But that motherfucker told me a lot of stuff that was going to happen during war, during combat, if we ever went to combat. And about 90% of the shit that I dealt with in combat was because of him. You know, about being patient, about being prepared. You know, you can live without food. You cannot live without water. So water and fucking ammo are not necessarily in that order. You know, keeping your weapon clean. 
things like that. Those are the things that he taught me that really fucking saved my life, man. Because my weapons never jammed. I never had a I never had a malfunction with any of my magazines. I kept all my oh, I kept my shit clean. So, you know, I thank him for, you know, keeping me alive, but also giving me the mentality to handle a lot of the bullshit, to be mentally strong. You know, my drill sergeant taught me that. So when I see drill sergeants now that are kind of like soft, I wonder if they're teaching them that. I wonder if they're really teaching them the real shit that you got to know when it comes to going to combat, the, 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 the mental part. You know, you got to be more mentally strong than anything because all the stuff that you've seen around you is very surreal. When you walk into a village or you walk into a place and like the whole place is burning, uh, you say you see dead people, dead, you know, elderly people, dead children, that 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 really fucks with your head, you know, that really you're like, bro, am I in a movie? But then you smell it. And 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 talking about smells, you know, I don't I don't trigger <clears throat> I don't trigger a lot. Like like fireworks don't bother me or like uh, loud noises don't bother me. <clears throat> but the one thing that does bother me, man, is fucking powder. When I smell powder burn, man, whew, that fucking, that, that triggers me big time, bro. And the older I get, the worse it gets. Because like the smell of powder, if you better get, if you better in a gun, in a gunfight or whatever, that's the first thing you fucking smell is a fucking powder, man. You know, when you and when you cook off like fucking 100 rounds, 200 rounds of your M4, believe me, that smell is never going to leave your fucking, your memory bank, you know? So that's the one thing that triggers me is the fucking uh, gunpowder smell. Um, my advice to anybody that wants to join the military is do your research, man. Do a lot of research. I mean, there's no hurry. Trust me. That 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 recruiter will you know make him wait, make his ass or her wait. But do your research. Talk to people who have been in the military at the same job that you want to do. You know, you reach reach out to people. Go go to there's veteran halls. There's the VFWs, uh, the veteran the veteran of foreign uh, wars and stuff. Go 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 in there and talk to them. Say hey man, you know. How was it? How was your experience? You know, is it, is, it, is it worth it? And they'll talk to you. They'll be super honest with you. Fuck, reach out to me. You know, ask me a question. I'll answer it. I'll answer it honestly. I got, I got no reason to lie about anything. Because some jobs in the army can be fucking amazing. If you have a career path, so when you get out of the army, you have the perfect training for something. But if you're going to join a, a job in the army that you could do civilian-wise, don't enjoy the army. Do something you're going to do in the army that you can't really do in the civilian world. Something that's going to be amazing. Like if you want to go to ranger school, if you want to, you know, uh, go to the infantry, but then have a, you know, have a, a, a way to maybe go special forces or something. Because like rangers, special forces, those guys don't fuck around a lot. Those guys don't go around posting. Those guys don't go around posting fucking cut grass. You know what I'm saying? Those fuckers train all the time. They train to do their job. They're they're you know they're they're badass dudes and shit. You know, so if you want to do something that's really badass, go, go to ranger school. There's even medics. I had a, I had a friend of mine who who was a medic, and in a ranger battalion. You know, he went to boot camp. He went to AIT. He went to uh, uh, airborne school. 
And then he went to ranger school and he made it. He, he went through the whole thing. He made sergeant in fucking uh, three and a half years. So, you know, do some really badass shit like that, you know. And then when you get out, so you know, you can become a cop. If you become a cop, you know, with ranger training, please, bro, you know. That's, that's a lot of good experience and stuff like that. But again, my, my advice, if you're going to join the military, is talk to somebody. Talk to people. Uh, talk to reach out to veterans. Is it worth it? Is it worth you getting PTSD? Because a lot of veterans that I know, including myself, have it. And it's something you don't want to live with. It's very, it's very hard to function as you get older. But ask yourself all those questions, you know, and it's a, and it's a, it's not for everybody. I'm telling you that right now, it's not for everybody. You know, I did, I did my thing and thank God I survived and my son went through it and he survived also. Um, but again, it's not for everybody. You don't see a lot of shit that's going to really mess you up, but again, it all depends on the job. There's people who join the army, never go to the field. You know, there's people who join the Navy who never go to the fucking ocean. You know, so again, it's it's to each of their own, you know, whatever you want to join. But my theme to say, if you want to join the military, I really do research on it. Educate yourself, ask questions. Um, don't ask the recruiter. Recruiter is going to tell you half truth. Uh, well, mine, well, anyways, mine did. He's pretty honest, but most of them, they don't really give a shit. They want their quotas. Okay, well, there it is. Well, shit, I did an hour and five minutes. With the cold, with the stuffy nose. Um, I promise to be back and do more podcasts if you guys uh, want me to. So far, the um, messages I get, most of them have been pretty good. And again, it really amazes me that you guys listen to my ass because I don't even think nobody's listening to me. But then when I get the downloads, like, oh, you got 10,000 downloads for this episode or whatever, it just amazes me. Like, holy shit. And I know in, in, in podcast world, 10,000 is not a lot, you know, compared to other people. But, hey, they all started somewhere. And I mean, if, if it's all 15, then uh, I'll promise to keep it going. Okay, so if you want to get a hold of me, you can message me at AlfonsoBarrioGross.com. Uh, hit my uh, Twitter, uh, BarrioGross, uh, Twitter, BarrioGross. If you want to hit on my uh my Instagram is BioGirls um, Official or BioGirls. That little line at the bottom, official. Uh, and that's it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying in touch. Everybody out there, be cool. Take care of each other. And again, if you're going to join the military, you're thinking about joining the military, talk to a veteran. Talk to me. Talk to other people that you know served. Get their opinion. Educate yourself. Don't just fucking join and be all rah-rah. Or you're going to be like these people at the beginning of the video that say the infantry sucks. They, have, they're not, they, haven't even been, they haven't even been stationed their fucking unit station yet. Wait till they go there and see and they talk about how much the infantry sucks. Orale pues. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. <laughs>